silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, of course, powered by Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby, and I am joined this episode by John O'Peck. How you doing, John? Ball don't lie. Neither do I. You're, you're getting better with those week by week. I'm, I'm, well, usually I'm interested you say to see where you, you go know, with that. You, you usually say Malone and Stockton or something, but it's just me. So, Well, it will. Yeah, of course, uh, Brendan White is away for today's episode. So yeah, it's the podcasting Legion of Doom um, back with you for another episode. Uh, big thanks to everyone who had listened to our first season preview episode on mm. the... Well, I was going to say the Central Division. That's the episode we're doing today. The Atlantic, um, yeah. the Atlantic Division, of course, with our friend uh, Seth Rosenthal from SB Nation. We must give big thanks to him for that one after all of the technical issues that we had with that. Mm. But um, we've got you back in uh, for another episode, Jono, and we're talking about uh, a division near and dear to your heart because it contains your favorite team. My boys. We're finally talking to a team um, or a man with a, with a team in the division. It's the Chicago Bulls, but... Um, just the division at large, I mean, you could probably look at maybe three or four divisions in, in the league where there's a clear sort of order yeah. of dominance. <laughs> um, and this is being, this is really one of them. This is the clearest, yeah. Apart, like the Bulls and Pistons are kind of the closest, like which one of them is actually going to be semi-decent and which one's going to fail miserably. Last year, it was the Bulls that failed. Pistons did not bad, fairly well. I think this year... We'll, we'll get to that soon, but I think you know, there might be a bit of a, a shift this year. Well, I think there's there's going to be one other team as well who we'll also get to um, that could really sort of make a decent move. But yeah, look, let's let's start with a team that's you know really going to assert their dominance pretty early on. You would assume, of course, it's the Milwaukee Bucks, um, mm. pretty much going all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, and and on another day. You would assume, obviously, if Brendan was here, he'd probably say something different. <laughs> On another day, they could have gone all the way and, and really challenged Golden State. But, of course, the home of MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's it's going to be an interesting season for them to see if they can back that up because they had all the pieces there. Um you know, they made some interesting signings and trades. Guys like uh, Nikola Mirotic came in. Pau Gasol came in for a bit, bit of experience, but it, it's really about how they've managed to replace the people that they've lost. Obviously, looking at the, yeah. the transactions here, guys like um, John Lua and especially Malcolm Brogdon, uh, who went to uh, the Indiana Pacers, those guys are going to be the real, um, the real key for Milwaukee to see how they can take that next step is probably the best way of putting it obviously as well um, no draft picks in the draft that's just gone that's really going to be one of the big talking points for them um, mm. it's very rare that you see a, a team completely yeah. forego a draft isn't it I think they're probably at a point where it's okay for them to do that like they're very much this is our team now we want to win now any rookie that's coming in isn't going to play big minutes especially if it's you know the <laughs> the 30th pick in the draft which is probably what they would have had if they kept their own pick just based on the fact that they won 60 games so I think it's not going to be a significant factor for them to not have the focus on young talent and like you said Malcolm Brogdon 
that's a big loss. Like he was such a steadying, calming presence on a team that uh, has that had its ups and downs as far as consistency for some of the, the players there. Whether it was Eric Bledsoe or George Hill and some of those guys that are carrying the ball. So to have someone like him that's just, you know what you're going to get, he's going to shoot a really efficient clip and he's going to hit his free throws and do a bit of everything really well. It's it's a loss to uh, see him leave, but they've done a pretty good job replacing not exactly what he offered, but just talent, I suppose. Yeah, looking at this this adding of, uh, of talent that they've got, it's, you know, interesting stories across the board. Obviously, um, I was about to say nepotism, bringing in Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Um, and Lopez. Well, yeah, the, the Lopez brothers are, are reunited once again. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the more sort of low-post-oriented Robin Lopez can sort of play alongside the free-shooting um, Brook. But, yeah, and then also you've got guys like Kyle Korver, who's probably... You know, in this the twilight of his career, I would have assumed, you know, if even if it wasn't last year, but this year would probably be his last go around. Wesley Matthews, you know, he's he's been around, he's seen a few things here and there, um, and then Dragon Bender, and from experience, <laughs> I want him to do well. It's a frustrating sort of period to see a guy who came into the league with a lot of hype. Um, whether it was warranted because he was drafted so high, of course, pick four um, you know, a couple of years ago, he just never really hit that stride um, in Phoenix. And you know, I, I hope that um, Milwaukee can be a destination where it can flourish, but it's it's worrying signs for him. Um, but you know, he's around one of the best you know players in the league, if not the best player in the league. So surely he'll be able to yeah. to. Uh, flourish on a winning team but yeah it's 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 tough for him but he's so young that's the thing he came into the league at 19 he's only 21 and when you've been in the league for three years and haven't done much it's easy to feel like you know it's a wash or they're a bust but you know we've seen people like him figure it out and become relevant players in the league so i'd like to think that if he has the ability to live up to the potential that people saw, it will happen, you know, either, either this year or next year, we'll start to see that development yeah. if, if they've got room for him in the rotation behind two, you know, very competent centers in the Lopez boys. Yeah, look, it's we're hoping he doesn't become the new Darko um, mm, yeah, and, and really just bomb concern. out. Well, yeah, exactly. But... Um, the other big news for Milwaukee was obviously maintaining the contract of Chris Middleton, really yeah. the the sort of um, the second in command for the Bucks. But he adds so much to them offensively, um, and keeping him was really going to be uh, crucial for them, sort of keeping that core group of players around. Um, and now that he's been given that sort of bigger contract, and as a bit more aware that he's given that freedom. I think he's really going to go um, balls out and, and really show what he's capable of this season. Mm, yeah, I, I like that they kept him. I think they really needed to. It, it seemed like they were going into free agency with, uh, I guess, Lopez was free agent. They had Brogdon who left and Middleton. And I think they made the right choice by prioritizing Middleton in bringing him back and making sure that he's part of the plan going ahead because he's such a 
great player on both ends and really complements what uh, Giannis does on that team with his outside shooting and his ability to kind of just like Brogdon do a bit of everything but be able to score and, mm. and create scoring which is something that maybe Brogdon wasn't so good at and getting selected as an all-star last year would be a huge boost for him I think and just that sign that he's arrived and he's maybe more than people expected he'd be able to be in the NBA and I think mm. which we'll, we'll get to a bit later but him being included in the World Cup team is going to be another chance for him to play with some different players and and some different shooters who are similar to him and maybe pick up a, a thing or two on a big stage like the World Cup yeah it's it's an opportunity for him to flex his muscle and really show that he's you know reached that upper echelon um, of mm. players in the league and I think he's gonna he's gonna go quite well this season. So, um, as we move on to another team who will be probably ch- uh, challenging Milwaukee for the division title, it's the Indiana Pacers, mm. and this is possibly the team that I could argue in the division has recruited best. Um, looking at the players that they've lost, obviously some big names in there: Bojan Bogdanovic, Kylo Quinn, Wesley Matthews. Um, and Corey Joseph, but what they've brought in has been phenomenal. Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, Jakar Sampson, and TJ Warren. Um, three TJs in one team is is yeah. incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Um, one of them might have to go by like Thomas or something just to <laughs> differentiate. Could you imagine that, changing your name by deed poll because you've got two other guys with the same name in your team? Yeah. Uh, um, this team, when you look at it, obviously the guys who've come in and the guys who are still there, it's hard to see a massive player in that team. Obviously, Oladipo is there and he was mm. injured for, you'd say, a good chunk of last season. But obviously, a lot of teams have maybe one or two big star players and then sort of work around that with a core group. It's hard to say in this team that there is you know, a big player. Um, obviously, guys like Oladipo and Miles Turner, with Demarcus Sabonis, you know, making that big jump to become a, an elite player, much in the same way that um, Pascal Siakam did for Toronto, is as a good example. But this is a team that's pretty evenly spread across the board, which makes them a really competitive outfit. Yeah, I think that Oladipo is probably that player. Like he definitely transcended what people thought his range was after the season in Oklahoma. And there's there was some legitimate discussion around him being maybe like that third or fourth MVP candidate until injuries over uh, past year. So I think that he's someone that the more comfortable he gets, the more uh, confident he gets, there's still room for him to keep getting better. Not like astronomically mm. better. I think we've, we know that he's very talented and he has room to just be the best version of himself, essentially, at this point. So that will be probably what determines, I guess, how far they can go along with Miles Turner's development. He's someone that has shown really great flashes of being the big man that can hit threes or, you know, grab the double-doubles. And him pairing with Sabonis, the chemistry between those two bigs is something that is going to be pretty important. So those two, Oladipo reaching his full potential, I think that's the recipe they need to maybe challenge the Bucks, but I think they'll still be a fair way behind. I think the Bucks are just going to have another great season. 
Yeah, I mean, even looking at the the projected sort of starting five, you'd be looking at Brogdon, Oladipo, like TJ Warren, and then Sabonis and Turner, like mm. a very competent and capable yeah. team across the board. But, you know, really for a team to be challenging for these titles, you need to have that sort of transcendent star player, or at least one yeah. or, you know, oh, yeah. preferably yeah. even two. But yeah, I mean, so they'll certainly make playoffs as they did last year, but you would hope that they can probably take that next step and, and, and really sort of, you know, take the ball and run with it, so to speak. Mm. But it's hard yeah, to see them the really great additions that they going any further than they, they, they currently have been. Yeah. Some yeah. veterans, yeah. Like Tyreek, despite his kind of decline and, and now being suspended as a drug cheat, Corey Joseph <laughs> oh, is is very, you know, reliable guy over the years. Whereas Matthews, Bogdan, Thad Young, Kylo Quinn, all guys that you can kind of count on to do like whatever their role is on that particular team. So hopefully the new guys can fill in and, and find a good fit together. Mm. Well, another team that's also trying to find their way um, out of a, a pretty decent slump is, uh, well, your team, Jono, the Chicago Bulls. Double uh, <laughs> We could be here for quite a while, I would have assumed. <laughs> but um, this team... I mean, looking at the added list, there's definitely not a lot there that you could say is really going to win them a lot of games. The big thing is is going to be their draft picks. Obviously, Kobe White's come in um, and looked pretty decent, I would yeah. I would say, in the, in the summer league period. Um, but really, it's how he's going to fit into this Bulls jigsaw. Um, obviously, he's going to be probably playing a bench role given that Zach Levine and Chris Dunn are your sort of starting guards, but I think he's got the the possibility of of moving into that sort of mm. very promising um, period for a rookie player. Of course, like there there wasn't a lot in this rookie um, crop, so to speak, that that really interested me, apart from maybe like the top three or four. Um, so he's probably best placed to be the most surprising of a of a rookie period. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's the unknown quantity. Like, obviously, we know Zion's going to have a great year and people are excited about what RJ will do in New York. But Kobe White's that guy that could be the surprise packet, I think. So we'll see what happens. It, it'll depend on what kind of run he gets, how well he adjusts to the NBA and his minutes because he is behind or at least alongside some, you know, competent... I keep using the word competent, but that's how you have to talk when, you, when you're talking about guys that are... Uh, teams that aren't very good you know there's some competent point guards there uh chris dunn you mentioned and even just the fact that he's on a team with uh sadaransky who is a guard forward but he's a a ball handler and he's you know quite good at dishing and getting assists so i think that that addition will take some of the uh the ball usage away from the point guard when he's on the floor so yeah, he'll have to prove himself and prove that he can run a team. That's always a hard thing for uh, someone that, like a guard that comes into the league as a, as a rookie, is how well they can, you know, read the floor and read the defense and just make that adjustment. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting purely because this team seems pretty set, especially if you're looking at if we go through another starting five again. Hmm. Dunn, Levine, Markinen, Otto Porter Jr., and probably Wendell Carter Jr. at yeah. um, the center position. 
really this season for the Bulls is going to come down to whether Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen uh, can stay fit. And if they can, I would argue they're probably the best place of maybe the top, uh, so not the top, the bottom uh, five teams from last year to make the biggest jump. Um, yeah, pure, Purely because Levine last year when he was fit was, you could argue, going or gunning for most improved player. And there were times last season when he was unplayable. He was really showing up that, I guess, stereotype that he was purely dunks. He was the the highlight reel, flashy player. And threes, but, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah, exactly. He's the highlight reel YouTube player, but he was really providing something different for this team. Um, you know, add that in with a guy like Laurie Markkinen, who was almost like a mini Porzingis, you know, rangy sort of player, but was also able to defend low in the block and, and provide a little bit of a, a, a spark low um, around guys like Brook Lopez, or not Brook Lopez. It's so easy to get the, the, the Lopez brothers uh, mixed up. But really, if these two stay fit, they can probably provide the biggest impetus for a team in this division, I would argue. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that Levine really needs to just take his game seriously. We saw that he has a lot of potential. His stats last year were really great. Like he actually improved in almost every area. He was sco- he scored like 23 points a game. He shot something like 46 or 47% from the floor. That's mm. fantastic for a guard, I think. Uh it's just you know, is he running the team as is he the leader on this team where he probably needs to be because he's one of the most talented p- people there alongside Markinen. And you just kind of want to see that he's not there to put up as many points as possible to, you know, do the flashy dunks and three points. Like, you just want to see that he's he's there for the, for the team to win games and not just look good, which is probably a focus for a lot of young guys like him. And it's probably been one of the criticisms for him, I think, over the years is just that he's not a player that you can count on when you really need to. And I think that with maturity comes that mindset of team before individual. And yeah, if, if he's able to adapt that and, and kind of latch on to that concept on a team that isn't horrible to watch, which it's starting to look like the Bulls are shaping it to something that's more of a cohesive unit rather than just dudes that are thrown together. Uh, they've got a real bench now. If he can kind of see that there's some potential there for this team to, you know, not push deep into the playoffs, but maybe squeak into maybe an eighth seed, if not this year, then next year. And then maybe they get some luck with a a Markkinen or a Kobe White developing into a superstar. I think that's where the Bulls can really turn things around. Yeah, it'll be a a tough period for them. And I mean, they've already been through a couple of years of that already, but the seeds have been sown is probably the best way to say it. And I think with Levine stepping up his game, they're about to be reaped is probably the best way to put it. But yeah, look, apart from that sort of starting five, the the dearth of talent when you sort of look through that bench is is concerning. I mean, yeah. I like Thad Young and I like... Uh, who else do I like? <laughs> Denzel Valentine's shown some flashes. I don't know if he's going to live up to, to that at all, but... You know, I, I think that they have some veterans there now that they didn't have before that have actually 
played on successful teams. So that's something between kind of him and Otto Porter Jr. being there for a full season. I think that they have a chance to at least get some good team chemistry, some good locker room vibes happening this year, which mm. has probably been missing since, you know, since Jimmy Butler <laughs> blew things up. Famously took his ball and, and went home, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we now move on to the Detroit Pistons, another team who are probably stuck in the mire a little bit. Of course, they did make the playoffs last year, but mm. yeah, they're, they're right in the middle. It's tough to be a team right in the middle because you it don't is. know what you need and, and whether or not yeah. it's going to be good enough. Some interesting ad- additions for the Pistons this year. Of course, the big one is, of course, uh, everyone's favorite point guard, D-Rose. Um, just the thought of him lobbing to <laughs> lobbing it to Griffin and Drummond is going to be so sweet. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> In 2011, it would have been a sweet idea, but <laughs> I don't know about now. <laughs> uh, Blake and, and Derek Rose are, are two guys that, if you had to put money on it six years ago, you might have said that they'd be surefire Hall of Famers based on their potential. But unfortunately, injuries and the inability to stay on one team have kind of hurt their, I guess, image as well as their productivity. So. I don't know, we got a bit of a comeback story with Rose last year. It makes you wonder if it was because of, you know, the team and, and playing for Coach Thibodeau. And I know that Derek Rose is kind of offended by that kind of uh, implication that people were, were throwing out there. So it'll be a good chance for him to prove that he's still a, a valuable guy to have on your team as far as generating offense. He had some great games last year. And I think that the Pistons probably needed someone like that i know they've got reggie jackson there i think rose has the potential to be like a smarter version of reggie jackson maybe higher basketball iq mm. uh, he won't necessarily have the athleticism being that he's a fair bit older and a bit more banged up but yeah i think being that kind of second string point guard maybe the sixth man the spark plug off the bench it'll give him a chance to kind of shine and not have to deal with the best point guard from the opposing team all the time and maybe uh, yeah, maybe throw some lobs to Blake. We'll see. Yeah, it's... You know, you look, in, you look through that list of people that they picked up, guys like Markeith Morris, uh, Tony Snell. You know, it, it's not... You know, it's slim pickings. Mm. Tim really. Frazier will be, will be valuable, I think, but it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's a team that you wonder... Are they better to blow it up, or is it? They're on the edge for it, to be honest. You know, even even guys like Seku Dumbuya, who came in um, this year in the draft, you know, one of the the first real sort of foreign talents to be picked up in in this year's draft. Hmm. He looks good, but you know, he's going to flounder on that team because there's just nothing there. He's going to you. Know, he's got nothing to work with, essentially. You know. Yeah, I get the feeling Griff- that. Blake doesn't really want to be there as well. That's that's exactly it. It's it's either Griffin or it's Drummond. You can't have both. And yeah. it's it's it seems pretty clear that either one of them is going to be out the door by season's end. And it would be a shame if it came to that because Drummond has been a very valuable and loyal uh, contributor to that team. And 
it's a shame that it's it would come to this uh, situation because you know the team hasn't been able to work around him so to speak so you know it's yeah. it's it's a weird situation but you know who knows it what's going to happen yeah it is weird because you wonder like what is the value for Blake Griffin now like what do you get like a couple first round picks and a and a role player do you try do you have to trade him for someone that's pretty much the exact same guy I don't know it's it's hard because he's someone that was so good and only a couple years ago was a kind of a top five MVP candidate before some of those injuries and you know he's shown flashes of being able to score and and develop his game but without the three-point shot uh, as a as a big guy the way that he plays I don't know like he did have a good. He did have one of his better scoring seasons last year. So, mm. are we underrating him? Maybe I don't know. Look, I mean, if he can start producing um, to a decent level again, it will be touch and go to see whether they can make a playoff run. Purely out of this division, there's just not enough um, quality to be really sort of pushing past maybe the first round, if that. Um, whether or not they'll they'll sort of you know the seventh or eighth seed in in the conference, but yeah, time will tell. It's 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 tough to say, but yeah, it, it would be a shame if if Griffin or Drummond had their sort of legacies or careers sort of tainted by a, a purely sort of public spat. But yeah, it 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 will it will be interesting to see how it goes. But we we finish the division with. I feel almost sorry for Cleveland. Um, You're not allowed to feel sorry for a team that's been to the finals like three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, they've had their fun. As as yeah. a Suns fan, I I can only just sit and watch. But um, <laughs> they've they've hit full blown rebuild. Um, yeah. The guys I mean, that's, that they, the, that's the idea, isn't it? Like, well, yeah, <laughs> you, you would say that, but the way that they played last year was just a team in 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 limbo is is the only the best way to put it but they've lost their heart and soul um of course jr smith being waived um <laughs> i kid i kid but of course the big one for them is clearly darius garland their new point guard this is the big issue for them because obviously they've still got colin sexton who played quite well for a, an underperforming team um last season and then you've also got Brandon Knight and Matthew Dellavedova, and you've clearly got a glut of point guard talent. So whether they move pieces around or a trade has to happen um, in that sense, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because they've clearly gone full in with the draft. They haven't added anyone um, in their game. You know, guys like Marquis Chris and Nick Stauskas leaving is going to be a big thing for them. I mean, they're, they're role players, but, you know, Chris showed a bit of passion, it, it, it should be said, last year, and, and that was sorely lacking from this team. Hmm. Having a lot of young talent at the same position does you no favours. I think we can see hmm. with, like, Philly drafting Nils Noel, Okafor, Embiid, and uh, Dario, all bigs and all guys that want to score the ball or not maybe not score the ball but they all want their touches so Mm. it just doesn't work to have them and be trying to develop them and and feed their egos at the same time that you're trying to get them touches on the floor so whether it's 
guards, whether it's bigs, I think that you need to just balance that well. And especially when, like, Brandon Knight, he's probably one of the best players on their team already. So to have those rookies at the same position, it's not really the recipe for developing talent. And maybe maybe one or two of those guys need a few years in the league before they're ready to shoulder the responsibility of being the main guard on the floor or the main two playing together. So it might be part of their plan, but it's not a team that you think is going to win a lot of games based on purely the roster. And I think even muscle watch for Kevin Love isn't going to save them. Uh, he needs to get out of there. <laughs> Free Kevin Love. Horrifically and, and dramatically cut Kevin Love, as we can now call him. But I mean, even looking through this this list of players under contract, you were sort of talking about both the point guards and the bigs um, being sort of log jammed. You look at this this list here, John Henson, Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and Ante Zizic, yeah. all capable of playing at a power forward or a center role. How, how are you able to fit that much into mm. a team? Because, you know, where, is, where, where are your wing players? Where are the yeah, guys coming yeah. through, you know, the three and the four? You might have guys like Chetty Oseman, who's, you know, one of my sort of most underrated players in the league, I would say, who can on any given night, you know, pop up and, and uh, produce some, some decent numbers. But, you know, whether this... thing, yeah. Yeah. Because you, you need a balance. You need to have your best five guys on the floor at the same time. Yeah. If, if, if they're all power forwards or, or centers or, you know, whatever, it's not going to work. Like, And you want depth, obviously, and you want guys that accept their, their role, whether that's someone like... Ante, is it Zizic? Zizic, yeah. yeah. Someone like him might be, yeah, okay, I know that I'm not the starter. I'm happy to come in and play 15 minutes and bang some bodies down low or whatever it might be. But you've got young guys like Larry Nance. You've got Tristan Thompson, who he's not a young buck anymore, but he probably still thinks that he's worth whatever they're paying him and he's going to want his touches. So, And John Henson's another young guy that's shown a lot of flashes of being really productive in the NBA. So... Yeah, you do set yourself up for problems, especially when you're not winning games. Because when you're not winning everything, it's so easy to, to point the fingers and cast blame about the reason. And it's always going to come back to, I'm not being used right or I'm not getting enough minutes. Mm. It, it, like, like looking through that list, even Jordan Clarkson coming in as well, whether he's going to be playing more of a shooting guard role. But yeah, yikes. It's it's just log jammed to the rafters there. Mm. And really, this is going to be... It would be a shame if Kevin Love left Cleveland this way, if he did. I'm not saying he will, but the legacy that he's left for that team is immense, helping them win their first title, of course. But, you know, he's he's going to go out in, in a team that will pretty much just be propping up the division and maybe even the league in general. Um, they clearly tanked last year to try and get Zion. It didn't work. And... <laughs> You know, you would expect a guy like Kevin Love to have been, you know, playing for a, a team that has competed for championships. Obviously, the Cavs of, you know, 2016 to 2018 were some of the best we'd ever seen. But, mm. yeah, it, it would be a shame, again, like we had said with guys like Drummond and Griffin, whether they're just going to let the sort of latter years of their career just stagnate and, and fall by the wayside just because they're content with mediocrity. And it would be a shame because I think he's still a, a very capable point scorer as well, whether yeah. he's 
down low or as we've seen many times throughout the years hitting long bomb three so yeah he hasn't been the type of guy to demand a trade as well like he had some pretty grim years in in minnesota that he just kind of put up with because he was the franchise guy and he was Mm. there to shoulder that that uh responsibility as as that player even though the people around him weren't getting the job done even though the front office was kind of a mess so i really hope that he kind of speaks up and asks to leave because there's so many teams that could use him and would love to have him going into the playoffs like uh, yeah i agree i think yeah. he's going to be one of those people that would be sort of shipped around come trade deadline time i would not be surprised if he went to a team that is fighting to either make the playoffs or is going straight to a championship contender. Mm. Time will tell, but... I mean, think about how many draft picks Oklahoma have. If they could find a way to make the the books balance and get him alongside Chris Paul, like that's suddenly a team that you're not just writing off as a 40-win Western Conference 10th seed, you know? Yeah, like... Now that you've said that, the 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 light in my head switched on, and I'm thinking that wouldn't be too bad for Kevin Love. Yeah. It's not a bad not a bad option to be uh, going to OKC at this point in time. Certainly, anything is better than Cleveland. Yes, um, jumping off the sinking ship. But yeah, they'll be propping up the division for sure. Um, and as we look at the division in general um, and sort of predict where teams are going, what's your sort of idea of how this division shapes up at season's end? Uh, I think Milwaukee will be close. I've got them winning 60 games again. I was going to say close to, to last year or last season. So I think it feels like Giannis hasn't quite peaked and he's got some room to continue to bulk up and just further dominate physically like it's freakish how good he is and just because of what his skill is there's room for him to get even better at it i think physically. yeah that's so, that's concerning quite yeah. honestly yeah <laughs> so yeah i think that that'll be good for 60 wins uh i think that as you said before the paces are the, the next closest i think there'll be a squeak under 50 wins maybe 48 wins and then it's a pretty big drop off down to the bulls I've got them for 35, optimistically. Uh, actually, no, the Pistons, I, I thought it would win 37. Then the Bulls, and then you've got uh, all the way at the bottom, the Cleveland Cavaliers with 24 wins. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm feeling pretty much the same way. Uh, obviously, Milwaukee are going to top the division. Look, I would think that they'd be sort of aiming for around that 60-win mark as a sort of serious um, mark for them if they're really going to challenge for not only... Um, top of the East, but also for that NBA championship. Um, And then Indiana are going to be sort of hovering around that sort of 40 to 50 win mark if they're going to be looking to perhaps take that next step. But they're they're maybe like one or two injuries away from completely missing out altogether, which, you know, would be disaster for them. So Mm. that's probably why they've sort of recruited so uh, astutely is probably the best way to put it. But... Yeah, then, as you mentioned, there's a big drop-off, um, which is yeah. a little disappointing. But I agree with you um, to put the Bulls in third. I think that this is going to be the year where they might sort of jump up and, and really surprise a few people. Um, I've got them sort of about 35 wins. Yeah. 
Um, and then it's really just, yeah, Detroit looking at about sort of 32, maybe 30 wins. And then, yeah, if if Cleveland can win more than maybe 20, 25, it'll be a surprise. But, yeah, I, I think they're pretty much sticking around where they've been so far. So, But, yeah, that is our preview of the Central Division, ladies and gentlemen. If you have any um, feelings, thoughts, predictions, of course, you can always send them our way. Uh, at we are 8 bit with the hashtag hoop dreams. You can always uh, follow me and send me some predictions at it's Tilby. And what's your account, Jono? Uh, you can find me at Jono himself. Yes, indeed. But before we go, we now get to talk international basketball. Uh, we haven't yeah. done so uh, at this point, but of course, the Boomers team's been announced and pretty much at the time of recording. The Boomers and Canada are playing in Perth. I haven't actually checked the score because I'll probably be watching that on demand a little bit later. But, John, you want to talk about the World Cup that's coming up? Mm, um, I do. Just briefly. Be, just uh, briefly. I'm going to the exhibition game next weekend. Very oh, excited to see Australia and USA face off in Melbourne. You mean Melbourne. the USA B team, right? Yeah. <laughs> USA B. It's the, the, new, the new acronym. Because you, you essentially have written down a list of players who are playing and a mm-hmm. list of players who aren't playing and a list of players that you feel should have been playing. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that, like I said, I'm still excited to watch them. It feels like almost a 25 and under squad, <laughs> apart, from, it, apart from Brooke Lopez. It's, it almost does, yeah, looking at it now. And, like, we've got... Kemba Walker is the clear leader of the team. I think he's the only all-star. Oh, Chris Middleton's there too. He's kind of a all-star just because his team was winning a lot of games last year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no offense to him. By default, it doesn't, yeah. He doesn't scream all-star. Um, and Brooke Lopez has obviously had some all-star appearances in the past, but he's kind of at the tail end of of his, uh, I guess, superstardom now. De'Aaron Fox is a young guy I'm excited to see. Tatum... Uh, but then you have a few guys like PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo. Like you wonder how do these guys ended up on the squad, and it's just kind of disappointing that so many great young players pulled out of the tournament. And I think these events are really important for young players to, especially when they're in that kind of borderline superstar range, to play with peers who are maybe slightly ahead of them or they're slightly behind them that, mm. that competitive edge and playing in practice and just kind of pushing each other we've seen in the past like 2010 is one that stands out a lot because it was a year that Derek Rose and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook all played and it was very much Durant's team but the following season was when all three of those guys kind of took a huge step forward it was Derek Rose's MVP year Durant kind of solidified fight himself as a guy that could take a team into the playoffs and Westbrook put up really good numbers like pretty much the same numbers as Derek Rose did in his MVP year and I think that the experience of going and playing in the World Cup was really instrumental in that so for this year to see guys like D'Angelo Russell uh, Devin Booker especially is a guy that I feel like needs to get that competitive edge and that uh experience of playing with winning talent you know that's a that's a dig if i've ever heard one like carl anthony towns like these guys 
have had had the opportunity to play with Kemba Walker and they had a chance to play with uh, De'Aaron Fox and Chris Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez and just like and Harrison Barnes like people who've won championships and I don't know I feel like in days gone people relish that opportunity a bit more than they do now it seems like it was one yeah. one person pulled out and then another person pulled out and oh suddenly it's not cool and CJ McCollum's talking about it on on podcasts and how no one really wants to to do it anymore and I understand there's this financial side of it where teams maybe are trying to dissuade players from getting hurt or from you know using their summer to continue playing basketball instead of resting and I don't know I I just think that people that take the off-season as a chance to chill aren't exactly pushing themselves to be the best player they can be and I'm not saying that the people that aren't at the World Cup aren't working hard this off-season but I I think that a place like the World Cup and, and the big stage and just the the evidence we've seen of people using it to further their career and to kind of take that next step it 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 kind of disappoints me that people these days i sound like an old man now but i guess <laughs> the, the kids these days don't value it like they used to it used to be a point of pride to play on these teams and yeah even, even the world cup team from 2014 it was curry clay thompson Derek rose after winning an mvp Kyrie, demarcus harden davis andre drummond like oh superstar talent and there's really apart from Kemba no one that screams out with the same caliber well, of, it's, of that talent it's yeah. certainly a bizarre feeling because it's it's unlike any other sport because let's, let's take for example uh, the Socceroos um, you get selected to play for the Socceroos at the World Cup for 99.9% of anyone playing it is country over club the experience of playing at a World Cup should be something that no one takes for granted. Um, and I can understand, like you said, the financial aspect of it. And they may want to gel with the new teammates or take a little bit of a rest. But when are you ever going to get the chance to play at a World Cup again? You know, four years from now, you might be retired, you know, in the case of guys like Brooke Lopez. But mm. the the list of people who have pulled out purely because they... Uh, valuing their club career over their international career is a, a purely bizarre sort of situation, one that I have never seen before. And maybe it's it's the purist in me who who <laughs> is like, oh yeah, we'll pull on the the baggy green and and play for our country. But yeah, it, it's look, I, I it's a change in the times. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's it's a it's an interesting situation to be in because now people have to gauge their their livelihood and and the shelf life of their career um and oh, yeah but and like yeah seeing like paul george have his horrific injury in training camp for i can't remember if it was the olympics or or a world cup or something but that certainly maybe was a, a sign to some players not all of them but some like maybe it's not worth it maybe it's not worth the risk not that paul george hasn't bounced back and been awesome if not better than he was before but i think that like for me it's a a bit of a hybrid of the two schools of thought where i think you know world cup and olympics isn't the pinnacle of actual basketball talent like the nba is that's where the best players are and i think that most nba teams 
like we we tend to judge how good a international team is by how many NBA players they have. So that in itself is telling you like maybe these NBA teams are actually playing to a much higher standard than international basketball. But that aside, I think that it helps your NBA career to play here. And that's where mm. it gets me. And that's where I think that people are underestimating these kinds of tournaments. Yeah, it's such a, a frustrating scenario and I would I would hate to be the guys selecting the US team and, and even the the boomers team because they've obviously had a couple of high profile pullouts the uh, the biggest one of course Ben Simmons who's mm. been slammed from pillar to post pretty much all this week throughout <laughs> the media um, personally yeah. I which think a, he's been somewhat harshly criticized but that's I've, just me yeah I, I can't believe how ridiculous the Australian media is in the way they treat Ben Simmons, but that's a, a topic for another day. I think we won't get drawn into that. Yeah, and I, I understand for a guy like Ben Simmons not playing just after he signed this huge contract because if something was to happen to him, you know, he, he's had injuries in the past. If he was mm. to go down, like he would just get kind of crucified in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's more yeah. more time for him to uh, to work on that jump shot. I should say exactly. Yeah, but, but then, um, like you know, yeah, you got go. the, the the Olympic Games next year, and if the same thing happens next year i would be both surprised and like way more disappointed because that would be i think an actual shame to, to a real shame for people to say like we don't care about the olympics anymore that would be pretty terrible that's even bigger yeah definitely but looking through this boomers team um obviously today as we record uh, mitch creek has now come back into the team uh, he was probably the biggest omission from the original team, um, now replacing youngster Xavier Cooks. But, I mean, looking through this team, there's a, a good mix of young and old in there and, and really, um, and also I should say, a mix of um, international and domestic talent. Guys like uh, Jonah Bolden and, you know, even Nathan Sobey sort of mixing in the team is, is going to be a really interesting um, sort of period for the Boomers. But... This is one of the probably best teams I've seen for the Boomers in in quite a long time. Yeah, uh, missing Ben Simmons is a, a huge <laughs> blow to that. But yeah, just l- looking at the names there and the, a bunch of these guys, it's like you're looking at Ingles, Delhi, Patty Mills, and and Bogut. Like they've played together so much over the years. They've played in so many big tournaments, World Cups, Olympic Games, that having those guys as kind of the steady presences and probably the, the leadership there with some of these younger talent like Creek and Sobe and uh, some of those other guys, I think that we have a really good shot and I'm not expecting us to outperform the likes of, of the US, but in our bracket, we're looking pretty good. Lithuania is probably the only one that could... I think knock us off so we'll see what happens time will tell and fingers crossed um if we can go all the distance but uh yeah ladies and gentlemen that is the end of today's episode uh as previously mentioned if you want to give us any correspondence you can do so at we are 8-bit with the hashtag hoop dreams you can follow me on twitter at it's tilby and jono Oh, we're doing this again? Yeah, you might as well at jono himself you might as well just be all formal with the sign off but um Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, ladies and gentlemen, from me, Matthew Tilby, and from my very special guest, John O'Peck. It is goodbye from now. Take care. Keep dreaming.